No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. TheWordBros.com. Welcome to another fantastic edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin. I'm Bob. We have a very, uh, we have a very wonderful show. We have two writers on today. Yeah, we have a duo. I like talking to other writing duos. I think it's fun to see how other people do it because we know how we do it, but how do they do it? How do these guys who are a writing team work together? Well, we're going to find out because today, Matt and Morgan book out now from heavy metal called Stable. Stable, and this is like some hi-fi, like super fucking science fiction stuff that's like real deal Holyfield stuff. This ain't like science stuff. This is like real science fiction. Bro. It's hard science fiction. That's, yeah, what, that's, yeah. that's what I think you were looking for. So it's not just like science fiction that, that has a little bit of science to it. It's got a lot of science. Lots of science for lots of cool dudes. So let's talk to a Matt and a Morgan. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, right now we're talking hard and fictional science with uh morgan and matt from heavy metal uh, up, guys? uh hi how you guys doing? how's it going good i'm really excited to talk about this because this is something that i've always really wondered being a writer i i've always been a big fan personally of just sciencing the science you know what i'm saying like how was how like in the 60s when you read the old fantastic four books how was reed richards able to do that science that's why science but now i feel like it's gotten a lot more technical and matt you seem to be like writing like hard science fiction right like you're actually like theoretical and do you read like science journals for this stuff because again i prefer the it's science you know what i mean i I, I have a i have a couple of buddies uh that are uber nerds in the best way possible shouting them out my buddy john who wrote kuiper with me uh, beyond kuiper the galactic star lines was actually uh baba number one uh hard number one bestseller in hard science fiction that's cool. um uh and he all about john what does john do like, yeah why? So, so john john's a, a, a an aerospace engineer at lockheed martin and he's Jesus. the uh, celestial ground support lead Deep Space Division. I, I don't that's know. A great title. Listen though, I don't <laughs> right? know. I don't know what any of those words even mean. Like that's how dumb I am. Like I'm like, what? Now? Like uh, is a celestial what? Like go ahead and say <laughs> that again. For, for, for celestial Matt. ground support lead, Deep Space Division. I.e., that, he builds shit that goes on other planets. Wow. That, is pretty fucking awesome. I want that title one day, but I won't ever build shit that goes on other planets. I just want the title. I just want to say I'm a celestial something or other. Oh, so he helped, uh, he helped on the Mars mission developing the testing apparatus for the helicopter that's now on Mars. So it was his job to build something. So the, that helicopter was uh, $60 million to make. So wow. they only made one. They basically said to him, 
You got to make sure this thing flies in one one hundredth of an atmosphere. <laughs> but Mars is the atmosphere is one one hundredth of ours, and you have to test this. So really put it through its paces, but don't break it because we don't have another one. Okay, good luck. <laughs> what was that, Morgan? You were going to say something? Well, I was just saying. So like now, bringing this all back to like stable and the you know the book we're we're promoting. It's this guy, it's the new one from Heavy Metal and Hero Projects, right? It's uh when, when we were crafting the arcs like the spaceships that take them to this new alien uh planet in another solar system like everything from like okay uh how are they going to hyperspace travel like things that i would usually just be like it just needs to be plausible like i i'm not as like hard science fiction it's not going to fly with matt it's got to be like okay well when we were we were trying to create i think like the mechanism that propels them to hyperspace because the biggest the whole premise of the book pretty much is that like a black hole almost opens up kind of randomly around right by our sun and starts sapping all of the hydrogen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like pretty much like the sun's dying out. And so earth is like on a crash course for like a, a cold apocalyptic, you know, forever winter kind of thing. And they can't just like move to another planet because this, it's the same sun in the solar system and we don't have hyperspace travel, right? We can't leave our solar system. So humans send out like a lifeline pretty much like, uh, and, and prioritize getting communication out and, and ask for help. And like the phone is picked up sort of by like a, an alien race and they manage and they ultimately, I'm dumbing this down and paraphrasing, but they ultimately- No, no, thank you because I understand what's happening. So I'm totally cool with totally. that. Totally. So I always, I, yeah, I'm always trying to like, like, okay, explain it to like, it's like a fifth grader, someone like me that wouldn't necessarily yeah. understand like the science behind all of this stuff. So long story short is that an alien uh, species or race uh, gives earth like te the technology chance. yeah second chance and, and technology to, to build uh like these aircraft or spacecrafts that can actually get them to another solar system and another edge of the galaxy but the only thing is that we only have enough resources and time to build three so ah, who's gonna, who's gonna go on um, hundred thousand people per are chosen to represent the best in us who chooses how are they chosen what dynamics are left what sort of Kobayashi Maru moments do we uh, create when somebody who might be a scientist that's uh, important for the mission that's given um, given a ticket is only allowed two two people, but there's a, a husband and two kids. Yeah, so what do you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. So we right? created like this was kind of part of the fun of building this like system is like okay, if humankind gets to decide who goes, right? And ultimately the key holders are the ones that receive the message, right? This company called Astro that built the satellite that ultimately reached out, you know, to everyone or to this alien race. So they, they because they have the coordinates and the, the technology, they can choose who gets on the ships. So like, they're obviously gonna take care of themselves, but like they need, as Matt was saying, it, they're gonna choose, like if they choose like a scientist, that scientist will get a plus two. So the chosen all get a plus two to bring but like what happens if you have like a wife and three kids like are you going to leave someone behind or are you going to stay behind give up your seat or are you going to bring neither no none of them and maybe bring like other people you think are more valuable it's like really dark and cynical it sounds and, like, this sounds like the best twilight zone episode ever is what it sounds like <laughs> so, so this is the fun part i think about i mean right like that's, it's, that's, wrong. A, that's a really and, and the thing is the twilight zone show is now what 60 years old 70 years old almost but still, they brought it back. I mean, you know. Yeah, there's a new I, one. No, but but I'm saying who I don't. I mean, I don't care about that. I'm talking like the original, like Rod <laughs> Rod Serling. Like, yes. Like everything's about <laughs> communism and Nazis and nuclear wars. Uh, uh, 
the Twilight Zone. Like that's the jam, right? Like that's it. And this is this fits in that sweet spot for me of like, yes, science fiction. <laughs> like, that's so awesome. What we did also though is like, so there, there's two storylines that we follow simultaneously. We, we the, the slogan for the series, the tagline is um, three arcs, two worlds, one chance of survival, right? And the two the two worlds is is the the arc world, meaning like the, the chosen that are going to, you know, to their salvation. And then the left behind, which are the ones that are stuck on earth for this dying sun, right? And so we follow a host of characters that are sort of, you guys ever seen the movie, The Road? I yes. love that movie, yeah. Okay. That's, 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 movie. Like, that's the earth. So good, movie. right? That's kind of like the earth they leave behind. And, and we follow a group of characters that we don't realize at first is, is tied to characters that you're following on the arc, but literally every character you meet or a group of characters, right? On earth are tied to someone you've met or will meet on the arc. And, but you don't really get to find out who's whose connection until like the end of the book. You start to get little pieces of it. And then like by the end, you're like, oh shit, that's that person's so-and-so. Right. You know, and like, that's kind of part of the fun of it too. And there's like a lot of, like we planned this out to be three full books, like big books. Um, so there's all the way along this, this trip and story it is gets, like a ton, it, it gets, gets wild. really wild. Yeah. It, gets wild. it already sounds pretty wild, man. I mean, when you're, when you're trucking with like the road from Conrad McCarthy and you're doing like hard sci-fi Twilight Zone stuff, you guys aren't really messing around. You're like, this is some real deal stuff. My one thing is, this is one thing I'm going to ask. And, I, and, and, and Matt, since you're a Kaduma, are you Matt or do you go by Matthew? Whatever you want. Okay. So Matt, you're a Star Trek guy. Right now I'm in the middle of a Voyager watch. And I feel like on Voyager, I feel like on Voyager, they just, there's too much techno babble. Like, and it turns me off as a viewer. Like, how do you guys balance that out as, as writers? So if people just don't see it and go, oh, fuck that. Like, I'll just get to, you know, regular words. How do you kind of, kind of keep the hard science and, uh, and, and I guess, and the, and the regular stuff at, at, at interest level for everyone? Yeah, I, th I think that's where the magic of Morgan and I writing together, because he, he likes to streamline a lot and be like, how, how do we get this most digestible for the viewer? Yeah, I'll be like, dumb it down for me, at least for me. Like, even if like, okay, say it the smart, intelligent way, and then we need another character to be like, so it's sort of like this. So you just gotta cabbage head it. So you guys cabbage head it. That's the term. I'm not familiar with that term, but cabbage head it. Do you know? Do you know what a cabbage head is, uh, Matt? I don't. It's a it's a term that a buddy of mine uses. who's a big Star Trek fan. Where like Jordy LaForge will say something completely profound and scientific, and then Crusher will show up and go, "You mean we're gonna flip the switch?" And they go, "Yeah, we're, we're gonna flip the switch." Like that's what that's what cabbage heading means. Uh, we effectively we we have um I think we probably write together in a very atypical fashion to most co-writers and I think it actually is very beneficial we actually write together it's not like we tackle scenes and then combine well we're actually on a zoom mostly because he's in New York and I'm in LA for hours and we literally one of us will scribe and the other one will just talk and we'll literally talk through it so the dialogue really works uh -huh. because I, something that we always get so frustrated with is some it sometimes feels like when you read things that the dialogue is very stiff that it was like written but not said uh -huh. so any dialogue that we write is always said to each other and then we hammer it out and for because of that it makes it makes it easy for us to 
when I want to do some sort of techno babble and then Morgan says, okay, well like explain that. And then I spend three minutes to explain. I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. That probably is, is too much here. Got it. Um, but I think that is, uh, that's a really unique part of how we collaborate is that everything is fluid verbally so that when it hits the page, it actually is in conversation. And we read it out, we literally will be like reading it out loud to one another as Matt was saying. So we can actually hear if it sounds kind of tropey or, or cliche or something like cheesy, whatever it may be, or too contrived and too, too on the nose, too yeah, yeah, yeah. scientific. Mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll sort of shoot, we'll go to some, like sometimes we ad lib it, like I'll, I'll read back the scene that I wrote and then Matt will chime in with something. I'm like, oh, we got to add that in. That, that was the missing piece right there. So that one line that you just put it in where like now it grounds it. Like we called out the fact that we were being a little too like uppity in this part, you know? Now, have you, have you guys ever done that together? Because Kevin and I write this way sometimes because mm -hmm. Kevin and I are a duo and we'll be just kind of pontificating dialogue, just throwing things out. And then by the time someone's trying to type it up, they forget what the other one was said. You guys ever lose pieces of dialogue in the ether that just kind of comes out and never gets written down? Well, that's the thing is like when one of us is flowing, the other one is, is scribing. Yeah, it's just like writing it all down. If Matt's in the zone, I'm a pretty fast typer. Like I'm getting most of it. And if I feel like I can, I'll throw on like the record button or something like that. There for, you go. Uh, stuff like that so we don't miss it. But, um, but like it we have gone through the furnace. There's been many a battle to get us to a place where we can work this fluidly on, on a project, which I think is just incredible, right? Like knowing when being able to feel when someone's in the flow on both sides is, is just uh, from the hours, because in, in addition to stable being sort of the first original OGN that heroes put out hero has um, done a bunch of pretty cool, um music work i don't know how much you guys know about it but we've done like the original graphic novel for rolling loud which is the uh biggest hip-hop music festival in the world kind of characterized migos champ the rapper post malone etc etc uh, if you guys are into like old uh 80 90s rock band we've done a graphic novel for uh 311 for uh, amber and voyagers and nice. that one was pretty rad um for shaggy like it's shaggy like, yeah shaggy yeah. was wild the, the, the Canadian rapper guy? No, that's no. No, Shaggy, <laughs> Shaggy. no, no. Like, but they caught me on camera. Yeah, yeah that's that's he's Canadian. Isn't he Canadian? <laughs> no way is he Canadian. Is no. He? He's Canadian. This right Snow now. is Canadian, friend. <laughs> um, Jamaican. I think he's Jamaican or definitely. I, like Jamaican. Okay, I thought he was Canadian. I, I was. <laughs> He's <laughs> born in Kingston. There you go. Okay, so so Shaggy's got his own uh, graphic novel. What Shaggy's Not graphic? Movie. We didn't do a full graphic novel. We did like an animated music video, but it's, it's oh, that's it's, fun. It's also a comic book. So it's like a single issue comic that we uh, you know turned into like a emotion comic. How, how did you put comic. how did you put that together? Like who knows Shaggy? Like who's got Shaggy <laughs> in their phone? Matt. So Matt used to be a tour manager for Cheat Codes, was it? And yeah, and Kezo and uh, worked with some other bigger artists uh, for about 10 years. Wow. And all of the pyrotechnics. Uh, really? Been, yeah, I've, I've done like 350 shows in 45 countries. Holy shit. Uh, That's awesome. Across like a dozen or so artists. So I, I, about six years in, I realized that it was about a five to one on my life. So, you know, I might be 33, 
right now, but I am all of your elders. I'm 83 right now <laughs> in my soul uh-huh. from the amount of uh, touring I've done. So about, about six years in, I ended up touring for a total of 10. I had this idea because uh, I love comic books, right? Just love narrative storytelling, uh, love novels also, but comics, just the idea of visual art that can help tell a story always really excited me. And I had this idea for a company that could come in, take a music video budget, because music videos suck, and be like, give me that budget. I'm going to create an original IP with my team, animate as a, as a motion comic. There's your music video. But then we're also going to print a bunch of these single issue one shots, and they're not going to be the most exclusive and cool merch for your tours. And then take any of the art from the pages and throw it on a t-shirt. And uh, we did that with a bunch of bands and it was, it was pretty cool. And when I had that idea, I'd met Morgan at the time and uh, my buddy Voodoo Bones and Morgan's buddy, Johnny Handler, sort of the four of us came together about seven years ago now and created Hero. And that did all these original um, comic series for these uh, bands and artists. I mean, we've done the Floyd Mayweather official uh, comic series also. Wow. So, but you still didn't answer the question. When did you call Shaggy? It was like, hey, Shaggy, I got a great idea. And was he like, it wasn't me. And then you were like, no, Shaggy, this is you. And he was like, no, no, it wasn't me. He's like, no, 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 you have to listen to my great idea. This is what I want to do. And he, it wasn't me. And then how many times did he say it wasn't me until you finally talked to him? And I'm just doing this for my own. 13. No. 13 times. <laughs> That's amazing. But like, so, and like, so Sh- tell me how you guys hooked up with Shaggy. Like, this is amazing to me. I don't know why. Yeah, my, my buddy D, who's the A&R over at 300 Records, uh, works with Shaggy. And I was like, yo, look at this hot shit that we're doing. He thought it was fire, brought it over to Shaggy. Shaggy loved it. He had a new single with... Um, Nikki Jam. With Nikki Jam that they uh, thought could be really good for a comic. Uh, we thought oh, body so, game. too. Yeah, body They gave yeah. us a lot of free reign, too, as far as, like, story. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, sometimes when we, we'll work with, like, a, a client or talent and they they have a very specific vision as to what they want to do which we're fine with by the way it's not like we have to yeah yeah, yeah 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 but like um when we're given like a blank slate pretty much and the guy he was pretty much like i i want fantasy i want sci-fi i want all of it in like one sort of story so we were like how do we cram all this in in a way that doesn't feel forced into, yeah, like, like how do you dial shaggy back from his excitement well so we i think we came up with like a really cool fun mechanism for that and pretty much it starts with him like coming home from the club or whatever and like he's with mickey and he's getting dropped off by like their car, and he's like, "Yo, you get that girl's number?" And he's like, "Of course I did." What you- I'm fucking shaggy, bro. Yeah, I got her number, or whatever. And then so like he goes to his dope penthouse apartment, and he's getting ready for bed, and he he like he looks at his phone one more time, and you see that she's left, she's left him on red, right? Like read his text message but didn't respond, and it's oh, like he, he's like pissed about it, and so he falls asleep with like his phone in his hand, and in his dreams. He, he like wakes up and he's like storming a castle and it's her like castle. the highlander like he turns into the highlander like pretty much like well it turns into like a you know like a, a medieval knight trying to take That's down awesome. the castle right and so like but in every part so he, every time he dies in a dream he wakes up in another one where he's still pursuing her in like a different uh manifestation so like in the first one it's i think it's like medieval times kind of thing and he's going to like take her castle and she's the queen and she's not having it and shoots him with an arrow from atop the uh portcullis and then like he wakes up and Nikki Jam's like always like his aiding source, like his wingman in every single one of the dreams. Uh-huh. Cool. So like at first it's like his like his liege or squire or something. And the second one, he wakes up and it's very like Star Wars or Star Trek where 
someone has stolen the heart of the ship, which is kind of like the energy core, but it's supposed to like represent his heart that she's moving off with. That's a good. And that's like he good. goes to chase after her, but like she does like a double reverse maneuver and then like shoots him down. And then that last one, he's like he wakes up and he's floating on uh, like a surfboard, and there's like a like, there's like an owl, I think, which is um, which is Nikki Jam's mind. Nikki Jam, yeah, exactly. You guys it's so stoned when you were doing this just, no just not i mean maybe you are, i don't smoke i don't blazed smoke, up to the days up this over this, <laughs> this, this, this is wonderful so we pitched him the idea and he was there was like no revisions it was like go this is great and uh it, pretty big pretty big hit which is cool so that, that was like awesome. one of the first ones we did and then after that like they just started the projects just started coming in friends of friends are like oh and you know yeah, like, I want my own version of this. I want, I want that me? shaggy treatment, son. Exactly. exactly. Nice. It sounds like that's what actually, you... I, I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but isn't that ultimately kind of like how you got tabbed for like the CEO gig at Heavy Metal? People saw what you were doing at Hero and they're like, this is innovative and cool and like fresh. And, you know, at the time, like before Matt came in, Heavy Metal has been a legendary brand forever. Oh, yeah. Heavy, heavy Metal has been around since like the a little 70s. Bit. And I think when they brought what, like, since Matt's come in, like, not only have like our sales gone up, which is a reflection of people enjoying the content more, right? But like now we have movie studios and TV networks interested in like the IPs that we're building, which is pretty freaking cool. Everybody wants a Shaggy awesome. show, right? Like everybody's <laughs> like, give us that Shaggy shit, son. Wasn't me. Like, <laughs> you guys, you guys, hey, wasn't me. It's Shaggy. If I got to do his, that's awesome. Well, the really cool thing the stuff at heavy metal it's not done for a client right it's done for the like just for creative inspiration for sure straight up like like which is cool so it's like there's there's true free reign and we're able to just do sort of what it's like kind of that blank slate type of type of gig right so it's pretty cool but i love so i'm gonna ask you guys a, go ahead i just gonna say i love the idea of like musicians doing like these huge vanity projects like I, one of my favorite things in the whole wide world is the song remains the same, the Led Zeppelin concert film. Have you guys seen that song of remains course. the same? That's one of my favorite pieces of media ever created. And it's, it sounds a lot like this. It's just Led Zeppelin at the height of their powers, at the zenith of their strength. And they just go, we're going to make a movie. What's it going to be about? I don't know. Robert Plant really wants to ride a horse. And Jimmy Page thinks he's a wizard. So that's what we're going to do. They're like, all right, cool. And they just do it. Like, it's, I it's love fantastic. That's yeah, exactly I, right. <laughs> I love the carblage and like the, the the ego that goes with some of these ideas. They're like, fuck you, I'm shaggy. We're gonna do this. And you guys are just feeding the fire. That's amazing. Yeah, it was like, great. I'm, I'm super stoked on this. You guys are like my enthusiasm. This is genuine. Like I'm genuinely amped. I would hope so. If I felt that that was like puffed up, I'd be like, come on, man. No, like, dude, I'm serious. <laughs> like I'm hyped. This is so fucking like wonderfully awesome in the best way possible. Like I'm smiling ear to ear now. I had, no idea. I had no idea the word bros would get this close to Shaggy. Like this is amazing. Like this is so cool. When you mentioned when you mentioned that the song remains the same though, like you you, you forgot till you left out John Bonham's part, which all he gets to do is like really milk a cow. Yeah, like so yeah, that's all he's doing in it he's yeah, i mean like, well, he does a few other things but he does like, like the, manly <laughs> shit like he milks a cow wearing like a leather jacket and like uses the jackhammers like i love milk food. i have milk every day <laughs> <laughs> so you would love the john bonham part morgan, yeah, would, morgan would, you'd be in you'd be in morgan you'd be would, into would, people part. like what do you want to do you want to ride the horse I'm like no i want to move the cow I <laughs> although i actually like riding horses a lot so have you ridden a horse 
Yeah, man, I'm actually really good at riding horses. Get out of town. Really? Know that about We're learning yeah, new things that. about each so, other on this podcast. I know, right? So as a kid, like um, I grew up in Manhattan. So you're like, well, horses in Manhattan. That's, That's what I was like, what? Yeah, not at all. But like my mom was like a big equestrian growing up. And so we would we were fortunate enough to be able to like travel out of the city every once in a while. We would go to like horse ranches and stuff. So I've been like horseback riding both English and Western style in Alaska, the outback of Alaska and Hawaii. Like, okay, hang on, hang on. And now. What's the dick? Because you said I'm a horseback rider, English and Western style. You have to explain that. What's the difference? I don't know what it's that is. Uh, I feel like I had to put my hat on now. Well, <laughs> uh, no, like right? a fucking prop comic. Man, uh, it's, awesome. it's, a, it's a, the way that you sort of like ride, the, like hold on to this uh, part of the saddle. It's like the saddle structured differently. But like, okay. Oh, okay. One has like a little knob almost. Mm-hmm. Has like kind of now, like which your, one is the knob? Oh man, I don't. I don't. I think it's English style. Okay. And now, what about the like the John Wayne? What do they have like the Western? Western like the yeah, you just use the like the um. The nah, well, your right. stirrups are, are on your feet, right? Okay. Or on your shoes. There's the back part of the uh, the boot that's kind that's of. Right, that's right. That's right. That's you right. You can like you can kind of like kick into uh side of like the ribs of the horse and it like propels them forward. That's awesome. So, have you ever like jumped over anything substantial in a horse? Jumped over? No, not so much. I've like been through the water and stuff. I like or like in an ocean. He basically just wants like, to know if you've Gandalf through a river. But I'm gallant. So like a lot <laughs> that's of, a lot really of all he's trying to get at right now. That's right. He's right. I mean, I gallop in a horse. Like to I have it here, guys. What is, oh, oh yeah, you brought yeah, it over to me. So cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my wife and I have been on horses. We went to Jamaica and we rode horses. And my wife was like this majestic princess on this mighty steed and i was riding this fucking broke down donkey that needed to go to the glue factory and like i was petrified and she was very good at it like how are you good at horses that's the question i want to ask morgan like do you just have like a rapport with the animal or like how does explain that to me i learned that i think if you learn anything at a young age you just kind of do it more naturally you don't have to think about it as much right so like i i've been doing it since i was such a i'm not scared of horses i like enjoy animals in general like getting on top of a horse is just a pretty cool, powerful feeling, I think. And like, like I was saying before, Matt Russo rudely interrupted me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> galloped on a horse, like to gallop is like, like the, the fastest you can go on a horse. There's like a, you know, a walk, a trot, which is like, and then there's like a canter where it's like kind of skipping. It's like a jog. And then there's like the full on sprint, which is like, you've done, going you've like, done that? I don't know. Yeah. Which is like, that's scary. Cause like it, you're going real fast and if they buck or, you know, pull back, you're going over, and it, you know, and in a lot of cases, it's not like we're riding on the beach. I don't think I actually galloped on the beach. It was like on like a sort of rocky terrain. So, I mean, don't forget, like Christopher Reeves got paralyzed. I, know, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. say it. Oh. Like, but he got paralyzed doing like equestrian stuff, right? Like, was he doing yeah, that? like doing a, a trick, like yeah, jumping like he was up doing a jump or some shit. Yeah, 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 exactly. But so um, if you're listening at home, remember, if it can fuck up Superman, it can fuck you up too. I feel like we need to write a western now. Honestly, <laughs> so I just watched. Um, it's not finished yet, but I think I'm on second to last episode of like 1883. Have you guys seen that show? I'm obsessed. <laughs> now I've heard good things about Yellowstone, and I'm a huge Kevin. You put Kevin Costner on a horse or in a baseball movie, and it's gold. Kevin Costner's not in 1883, so but, it, but Costner, it's all based on the Yellowstone yeah, show. Right? Based on yeah. Yellowstone, 1883 yeah. is the prequel. It's yeah. like okay. the, the Dutton family is like the fan, like. Uh, Kevin Costner's family, I guess, and like he now kind of runs this area of Montana, right? Okay. But this this story is just like I guess his ancestors coming to Montana from like it's about the Oregon Trail. Okay. 
So it's it's all like him going from Texas to Montana. I and guess, Sam Elliott's in it too, but right? Yeah, it's it's some of the best writing I've ever experienced. I've heard that show's but amazing. It's great. And it's I'm like really a, obsessed you know, with Invasion. Dark Western. Like, with which? Invasion. Oh, amazing. Yeah, sure. Matt was just telling me about that. He's like, man, have you watched it? Have you finished it? No. But I like it so far. Like the character writing and it's fucking awesome. Like that's yeah. the thing that stands out. Like the characters are all like you. You give a shit about all of them. Like there's not that's a character in there where you're like I don't care. So, like, yeah, the, definitely. The, that's that was a big challenge for Matt and I just to make because I remember when we first presented the like the story treatment. We always start when we write. We have like a full treatment. It's like before we write a single script or a page. It's uh, of like dialogue or anything like that. It's always like, what is it about? What's what are the themes that we want to explore? What are the kind of character journeys or arcs that we want to, you know, tell uh, and and take the readers and the, the audience uh, on this journey alongside them or whatnot? And it's so it's an ensemble cast. Stables, like you said, it's following two groups of characters, and there's a lot of them. And when we presented it to the artist um, Francesco Pisa, he he said he's like, "There's a lot of characters here. You want to cut a few?" And we were like, we're yeah, like, we fuck don't. off. We were like, <laughs> we're like, adding a dozen now. And they're all like, going to talk tech babble. If you think about it in comic books in general, there, for the most part, there's usually like a pretty centralized protagonist or group. Um, and if there are like these like team based type of things, it usually has uh, like they have pre established other side series that all kind of all came together, right? And, but uh, this one, like right from the jump, it's got that sort of lost or orange is the new black or just like, there's a lot of characters that we're going to meet throughout the story. And um, we had a, a plan for it from the beginning. And I, I remember when Fran got to like, like the second or third chapter of the script, he's like, I take back everything I said, like, I see how you're doing this now. And it's awesome. And I'm attached to every character and like, well done kind of stuff. And we're like, see, I knew that you, you just had to stick with us on that. Well, is it, it, isn't it difficult though, to write for such a big cast because you only have a limited number in normal like canvas is like yeah it's but if you know how if you know how you plan to use them and tell their stories like we 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 decided from the beginning their connection to the other one so like when you're meeting one character and they're talking he's talking about his relationship with his family and stuff like that and then you meet another character and you don't even realize that those characters are that guy's family at first but I think it's even more than that, Morgan, right? Don't, don't undervalue the, the prep work we do. I don't think a lot of people maybe put in the, the pre-writing work. The way that we kind of look at the, the stories is that we're just scribing history. So to do that, we have to write a lot of history before we even write any pages of the story. So we'll write a couple of dozen pages Jeez. of just like this world. Where is it? What's happening? How's the mechanics work? What type of characters are in it? So that when we find our entry point, it's less about us writing this character and more about explaining this person's journey throughout this lens that we gave them. But we already understand the peripheral world and how that all interacts with them. So the ability to be a little bit more precise on a specific character's uh, intentions allows us to expand more character complexes now but aren't you are you afraid though doing all that where i've had friends that love to world build and then when they get to the actual script writing or the outlining process they kind of burn themselves out on it are you guys ever fear that that's going to happen to you or 
you don't know where to pick up the story and all the world building like you get lost that's what we love the most about oh, it yeah that makes it to be honest with you i don't i can't speak for anyone else out there but like for us it just makes it a lot easier yeah. Like once we get to like, we, we know the character psyche and they're like what they would say what they would do in this yeah when we're when we're talking about dialogue it's never like oh this character should do this we're like Debbie would never say exactly. that. Exactly. Like by the time we get to the script, it's like they like we, they wouldn't do this or they would do that or that feels very off character. It's, it's less exploratory because we've already done all that exploration part in the building. Like when we're doing the world building, it's not just the world; it's the characters. Like uh, Matt was it, saying, it's it's like a history of them. So we try to figure out like, well, what were they doing before they were on the ark? Like, let's actually think that. Like, what's the relationship like with their family? Do they have any family back home? Even if we don't ever freaking address it in the story, like right. we know those answers. We thought about it. The, the emotional response of a character on an arc or wherever, based on how an interaction happened, might be, res the response might be based on how their parent treated them, which is in our lore, that might never come out as Morgan just said, but because we put those mechanics together, we just understand how that character would react to that paradigm. So the, the other thing I was gonna say is having read the whole first part, I like how you guys don't really have any darlings. After our first book or first like whole graphic novel, like did you read the whole? The whole thing. I got to the very end. So the, the the whole first part, I like how you guys don't really have any darlings in the in the cast. There's not any particular favoritism towards any of the characters. So I feel like you guys like did a really good job of the way you spread the story around with the characters. Um, so I, I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Because then, like you said, when you're when you're getting further on into the book and you're like, oh, I see how this person ties in over here. Because to explain it to people listening that, that, make, that should make you want to read the book is you have, like you said, the characters on the arc that are going to like leaving Earth and then the characters that are stuck on Earth. And some of them feel some ways about it. Other ones don't. So like, it's a very mixed bag of like how these characters all fit together. And like, I know which ones I liked. So like, I, I was like, Oh, like I really want to see what happens to this person there. And this is interesting. Like this, is, there's a little girl with a robot. So like, that's interesting. Like that's super interesting. Like, well, how did this little girl get this robot? And, like, exactly. It looks like something the, crazy. Like how is it? How, a how did we, who, who why is there a 10 year old with a robot? How did she get that robot? Who left her with a robot? You know, like all these kind of questions and some of which you don't get the answers to, obviously, by the end of the first book. No, but but you still want to read the rest because you want to like, well, they're going to tell me how she got that robot eventually because she's going to have to tell the other like, I don't want to give anything away. But like she's going to have to tell the other person where when she where she ends up in the story, the, there's somebody who she's talking to at the very end who is uh, very technologically oriented so she's gonna have to tell that person because he's obviously interested where that robot came from so exactly. you the, did you notice the fake ads that we like yes i was, I was other thing ads. i was gonna say i really like fake ads were cool it was great as robocop so i i love robocop for the fake ads like uh nukem and stuff like that and that's what that's the vibe it gave me with the with all the fake ads with the like the, it showed you what you could use your credits for every day at yeah, the very yeah, bottom cool. i love that you picked up on that stuff so some people like actually like missed it i guess they didn't like they thought it was so for anyone that's listening, they thought they were real ads. Yeah, so what we do, and this is like a huge part of like what Hero does, and like trying to really every hero cover, book has these. Every hero book has these like beautifully designed and well crafted um, uh, fake advertisements for things that only exist in the worlds in which we create. So they're not actually for a real product that exists outside. It's like you'll see in Stable. I think there's like fourteen of them or twelve. There's a lot. Um, there's a bunch yeah yeah there's like the fake i have i don't know this is being visually recorded right but the uh, uh the, yeah. the birds 
Now you saw that ad for uh for uh, the robot builder. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, a one that says it's like a teammate, and it, and it's from the company, the guy's company who initially received the transmission. Yep. Exactly. We're we're gonna be doing some really cool activations with uh with building a Burt uh this year, which would be pretty cool that we're gonna be announcing later later in April. So yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Yeah, yep. like, so everyone has these like I think they're called I forgot what they stand for. Matt's really good with these acronyms. It's the Star Trust Art Credits. That's what it stands for. Ah. That's like your money that you can spend. And like I love a good acronym. Right. <laughs> and Matt's really good with the acronyms. And so um in this this on the arc right if everyone is technically valuable right and there is no real money and there's no true capital because they have limited resources until they get to this new planet kind of thing they have to everything's rationed so food is all that other stuff so you can only use like you have like i think four credits a day or whatever it is and you can it's it's only 20 and like a burger is like 10 or something yeah Yeah, so like that you could you have to figure out how you want to divvy it up and some people are like like trading their credits we spend weeks and stuff like that designing the uh, the stack system and then there's like the uh like the, the wrist bands that they use uh, yeah like, that's all that i was gonna say i thought that was cool too the yeah, actually in college morgan did I ever, did we ever talk about this did you know i came up with that idea in college in 2005 i was like wouldn't it be dope to have a wristband that just had all your information a credit card everything on it before apple watches i i was just like a student yeah. i was I just a student you. at umass when I was in college at VCU in Richmond, we would get stoned all the time. We'd be like, man, wouldn't it be cool if record stores delivered? And then Amazon happened. And I was like, I thought of that like in 98. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a ring. I didn't know that that was an actual wristband. So like, I didn't read that far. I was like, thought it was a ring. If you notice, it's not a big deal. If you look at the, um, like some of the artwork, you'll see everyone on the ship has it. Like, oh, I didn't, I see you're giving me things to go back and, and relook at it like, for. That's because the point, like the level of details. And like, also, if you look at there's the menus in like in some of the artwork. I did look at that. The food court on the art <laughs> actually match. Like we came up with like, I think it was called Awesome Burger or something like that. Yes. Like you get a double awesome or something like that. But like- With um, cheese. With yeah, double awesome with cheese or whatever. Like we even yeah. threw in like the words like like uh, Karens, right? Like someone, yes. someone like actually throwing a little temper tantrum like two- And that's quarter. not even the worst Karen of the day. Yeah. Oh, well, you remember the line? I love it. That was a Matt line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So just trying to keep it fresh and relevant that even though it takes place in the future, like we understand that certain we have to be careful of like pop culture references and things like that because they can either die out or like how relevant will they be 30 50 60 80 years from now whatever so you want things that are iconic and timeless but like at the same time we also have to understand what's relevant now and what's what is you know if we we write to what we know um (laughs) we try to steer clear of stuff that we don't know uh we'll we'll generally try to seek expert help from that like hey do you know anyone that knows about astrophysics or something like that and that's like, oh, I actually do know someone. Let's go. Okay. And get them that's, on the the phone. Sec- that's the second person that I always go to for um, uh, for science help, just to give him a little shout out because he helped a lot for me. My buddy Chris Matman, who's the uh, chief technology and innovation officer at a NASA Jet Propulsion Lab, Jesus. and uh, he helped. He literally wrote the book on machine learning. So a lot of the science uh, for Bert, uh, I'd uh, gotten a consultation from him on. Wow. Wow. I mean, between scientists and rock stars there, Matt, like who don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird I, combo. Matt, it's my yeah. two favorite types of people. I, I, Matt, I honestly feel like I may be the stupidest person you've ever spoken to in your whole life. Like me, it's me. I'm the dumbest human being that you probably know because 
Uh, yeah. yeah, to deal with rock stars, there's definitely dumber no, rock stars. I mean, there's, there's levels. I mean, there's <laughs> levels. It's, uh, you know, they were probably chemically and uh, chemically dumbed down to some extent. I, I don't uh, know about that, man. I was a, I was a musician for years. I could tell you, like, that's probably not. <laughs> hey. So, like, so this book that we're talking about, Stable, this is the first one. Where can I get this thing? Because it's, I mean, it sounds fantastic. I've read it. Kevin, I read some of it. Kevin read all of it. It's very well done. Uh, where can we get this bad boy is my it, question. All comic book stores, all Barnes and Nobles, all bookstores, uh, heavy Amazon, metal published. Target, yeah, like Walmart, heavy metal published Walmart. it through our relationship with Simon and Schuster, which nice. is amazing. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they've distributed it for us um, nationwide. I believe it hits uh, stores on Wednesday this week. Tomorrow, baby. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, this, uh, this podcast will be out next Tuesday. So it's been out for it's a It's out, while. guys. It's out. What are you waiting yeah, it's for? Out. It's out. We're, we're in the future now. We're <laughs> future past. But yeah, that's amazing. Like, this is really kind of fun. And you guys are some interesting cats. Like, it's. You got a lot of you got a lot of irons to fire. I dig it. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> we so haven't like, even got, we haven't even scratched the surface. It was, I think, the first of six type like gra- original graphic novels that we have coming out through Heavy Metal and Hero like partnership over the. Wow, next, like, that's oh wow. Graphic, so like, cool. so are you guys doing these in the magazine proper, and then they're becoming uh, uh, these, trades later, or what? These are all original graphic novels. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, um, you know, as much as we like to have fun and joke around, Morgan and I are fairly disciplined on it. We, uh, we write from, I'm in LA, so from my about 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. every day. This is like my 10 to 1? Yeah, you're 10 to 1-ish. We write every day. Every day. Morning these, uh, these books. Oh, Matt wakes up, and uh, I mean, I'm not really much of an early bird anymore, so it's around the time that I get to work. <laughs> we get up about the same time. <laughs> Just on that's, different coasts. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, like, so you guys have your your schedule, your routine. You so you wake up first thing in the morning, you write together, and then what does the rest of your day look like, Matt? You're talking to scientists, and rock stars, and all kinds of he stuff. He runs a company. Don't forget, he's the CEO of two different. I know two companies. companies. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to. I I run the business for heavy metal. So you know, basically nonstop zooms all day. Um, we announced last year. Uh, that we did a partnership with Range Media, who's a new um, new management and production firm, uh, you know, financed by Steve Cohen of the Mets, uh, run by Peter Michelli. It went, Steve Bob's Cohen, a big Mets, Mets fan. I love the he, Mets. Tell Steve, oh. I, tell Uncle Steve, I said what's up and thanks for all the help out. We're gonna get ourselves a World Series soon, baby. He he really does care. It's amazing. I know he's he really a, cares. He's you a real like that. Like he's sure. a real Mets fan. Like he's tried and true. Like he bleeds orange and blue. I yeah, love it. it. It would be like it would be like for Morgan if Gary Vaynerchuk actually was able to buy the Jets. They would they would win because he is a diehard Jets fan. You know that, right? Morgan, you're a Morgan. Jets fan. Diehard, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My dad was my dad was Morgan because I'm from Queens. So my dad was a Jets fan. How's that working um, out for you How's so far? It's I mean, tough, man. But you know what, though? It's like the Bengals are a good example. And had they won the Super Bowl, that would make my this argument a lot stronger. But it's like when you're, the bad teams finally do win, the ones that like stuck it out, it just makes it that much sweeter, right? So no, I'm sure I, that, like, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I live in Cincinnati. Um, I don't watch the NFL, but to see this, the city get swept up in like Bengal fever, it was really fun to watch. Like, 
because they've been so bad for so long and now they're pretty good. But I mean, like, I don't know. Joe Burrows is a lot better than the guy you have. It's Justin Fields, right? That's the kid. Wrong. Justin Fields is the, uh, the that's Chicago the Bears. Bears that's the Bears. Who's yeah, your quarterback? Uh, What's Zach his name? Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you like, can't say that yet. You don't know. I mean, like, I'm not. Look, Joe Burrows is really freaking good, and I think how he's going to be good for a while. He but so like, defensive. Yeah, no, he's so awesome. He had no help at all. He doesn't have like Listen to him go. the best wide receivers. He has this new guy, Elijah Moore. He's pretty solid. But anyway, we can talk about sports. We can football, talk. No, let's talk about the Jets. So like, let's the WFA it up, up, man. WFA. I'm Joe Benigno <laughs> on the overnight like show. in the morning. Yeah, let's do it. Matt's dad is like a legit, legit collegiate athlete, former collegiate athlete. Oh yeah, my, my dad like, played with Herschel Walker at Georgia. At Georgia, for real. Right? Yeah, wow, dude. like I, I, I still blows my mind when I like when I, I'm like, wait, really? But if you see Cliff, like he's in a phenomenal shape, like, um, and I always like, well, Matt and I will be writing, and sometimes Matt's on the move a lot when we're, we're writing because I'll scribe a lot. I have no problem doing that kind of stuff as we talk, and um, he'll bump in his dad like coming back from because uh, they live pretty close to him, like, coming back from like a run or something like that. So I was like, he look who I bumped into, and I'm like, Cliff, what's up, dude? He's like, yeah, I just finishing my 7 a.m. run. He's like, he's like 66. <laughs> Dude, dude, the legend. <laughs> That's awesome. That's but amazing. Anyway, yeah, so the same way that like Matt's a nut about science and stuff like that, I'm like anything football related. Like I'm gonna shut you down on the argument on it. The same it's way that so you, great. Like, I if I try to argue with you on science related stuff, you'd like Morgan, stop, dude. It's like I appreciate the effort, but you need to know that Justin Fields is not on the Jets. Like I, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I get, I get them all confused, you know, because I don't watch the NFL. No, all good, man. I'm just watching all. Um, I just knew you guys had a young quarterback, but I got him confused. So, like, so, uh, uh, so the Jets, who's your coach? It's uh, Mo, what's his name? What's his last name? Fala. Yeah. Robert's Robert Sala. Mo Sala's the guy who plays for Liverpool. So, you guys got Sala's your coach. It's his second year, right? He's going into second year, but okay. he's, he's well respected and liked around the year, around the league. Like uh, the team, from what I understand, is like got his back. And like, if you watch him, he's very authentic, very genuine. He's not like a disciplinarian, but he holds his players accountable. He motivates them. Like they, even when they're losing, they don't lose faith. Like he's got the locker room. So I'm, I'm pumped about. It. We can I, do a whole sports show if you want to. I, I mean, I'm down with that. <laughs> I mean, I will say that I think the Jets were smart to give up on uh, Sam Darnold so quickly because that guy was garbage. Dude, they got a second and a fourth round pick. That guy sucked. Like they the same win total as the Jets, I think, or maybe. Oh, I love the low key that Bob actually knows what he's talking about. I know it's enough safe. to be dangerous. I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking European soccer, like English soccer, I know I could go for days. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's I mean, his jam. I'm an old school Schmeichel fan. Oh, um, so maybe... for, from Man United. I played collegiate soccer, so I was I was a I, I I was a goalkeeper, and I pretty much modeled everything I did after Schmeichel. I will say that explains a lot because the goalkeepers are always the weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we talk a lot of wrestling on the show. Keen, I mean, dude, that '99 UEFA Cup, come on, yeah, nothing yeah. better than no, that. No, now see, I will say I only got into soccer around um, 2009. I had. I was working with the right after it started sucking. Yeah, it. I know. I mean, I love it. Like, dude, I go to the pub. I, there's a bar here in Cincinnati that I go to and watch all the city. I'm a Manchester City supporter, so I go I, there and watch all the matches. Like, I love it. But I had it. I was working with an artist who told me, like, "Hey, dude, uh, this was in 2008." He's like, "I'm not going to work on this book for a while," and I was like, "Why?" He's like, "I'm Argentinian and I have to watch the World Cup." And I thought I was like, "That's bullshit," but he said, "Watch Argentina play football." 
And I did, and I saw Carlos Tevez play. And I, Carlos Tevez is an amazing footballer. Well, like, I mean, if you started in like 09, you probably start at the beginning of Messi. Yeah, all that stuff. So it's right, like, beginning I, of Messi. I've, I've gotten some good stuff, like right when City started getting good and they got the oil money and shit. Like, I'm in, dude. I love it. I'm curious yeah, to yeah. see how many viewers we, we lost over the last, like, transition, the last 10 minutes <laughs> as we transitioned from, like, comics, comics to, and, and, and to, like, just, like, hard sports and stuff like that. And it's like, I wonder everybody But goes. I will say, I think the comic, I think the comic audience uh, as, as a whole, I think some of them are pretty well-rounded. If you go to a comic con, like, Kevin and I were at C2E2, and especially in a city like Chicago, I mean, you see guys walking around in Cubs jerseys. No, I'm, I'm half yeah. joking. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, look at all of us. We're all pretty big nerds, but we also seem to like sports and stuff like that, too. So Yeah. I mean, I, and wrestling. Like, yeah. We, 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 we like talk about wrestling all like the time. Professional wrestling. Like, we're, I'm in. So, I well, so for all. me, though, wrestling, like, speaks more to, like, the creative arts in general because it's a persona, right? Yes. And yeah. Like, it's showmanship. It's like, there's, there, I can understand that overlap a lot. Right, like, where yeah. it's like, oh, well, you like storytelling, like it's a story. Like you're watching yes. like, what wrestling brings that, like maybe UFC doesn't, or that UFC, you know, and boxing. Like you try, they try to create stories around it to make it interesting. And like, well, what's the story here? Is this a comeback redemption story? Is this yeah. like a defending of the title story? Is this did this guy like like fight him in the pre in the presser or something? I don't know. Whereas like with wrestling, it's like there's personal beef that like goes to the back. You know, like it's unbelievable of- writing. Yeah, they oh, actually, yeah, totally. Like, I have a buddy that I went to college with, um, Mike, and Mike like wrote for WWE. Oh, sick! That's, yeah. awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and like, um, yeah. So like this, I didn't, and I I knew that it was like scripted, but I didn't realize they had like a like staff writers. Yeah, yeah. It's a, t- it's a tough like, thing too. Goes to show, like, um, and it also makes a lot of sense when you're seeing people like you know uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and like Michael Cena, John Cena. I'm sorry. Michael Cena's from uh, <laughs> Michael Cena's from uh, uh, Arrested Development. Development. Yeah, no, John Cena and something like <laughs> why they're able to be so successful in you know as actors is because they have that you know bravado and personality that I think like just they have that it factor that makes them like really easy to watch that like, you gravitate towards them to a degree. So we got we got Stable One out now. You guys said there's like five books to this thing. Three. 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 Okay. So okay. Are you, maybe so more, but like you can find more arcs. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you guys are currently working on number two now, or because you guys say you're writing every day, you're writing together. What are you working on this project or other things? We'll be, we'll be breaking ground on book two, I think, at the beginning of March. Uh, we awesome. are finishing up um, Remnant, which comes out in July, which is another OGN okay. crime noir. Uh, See, the exact, the exact genre is um, retrofuturism or, or uh, deco punk noir. It's called oh, deco punk cool. noir. Wow, so it's wow. like 1920s. It's 1920s, like Blade Runner vibes, um, but like with that, like all the robots and like robotics exist in the future, like sort That's of like cool. hovering cars. They don't fly, but they hover. But like it's like it's futuristic, but dialed back. So it's like all the AI is is like we have robots, but they don't look like humans. They're purposely made to look kind of like tin canish. It's like, cool. I always distinguishable like, from humans, I, things like that, which is cool. Again, because I'm a dummy, I always go, like the Jetsons. <laughs> that's almost too much technology. Yeah, wow, that's, okay. Right. That's, because like even though they have flying cars and stuff that's like that, like, this is like... This is like if the roads were magnetized and you could just have a little hover. Oh, that's cool. Okay. But like even to like... Well, literally just Google like deco punk noir, noir and that'll... Like every image that comes up like perfectly captures the vibe awesome. that we're going for with that. And it's um, it's got that Dick Tracy kind of P.I. Can't go wrong with that. Type of like 
vibe to it. But there's like a whole, he, this guy's like an investigative uh, journalist. He's actually a writer, which is what's cool. He's like, he writes biographies um, for like important people, sometimes politicians and things like that. And he gets roped into like a, uh, like writing a biography to one person and it, it leads him down a path where he like discovers something about the world that like totally like opens- Blows like, his mind. Blows his mind, sends him down a rabbit's hole. And it's like him trying to figure out how far this rabbit hole goes kind of thing. And like, like what do you do when you have this type of information? And like, uh, it's, it's like almost like blue pill, red pill kind of thing. It would have uh -huh. been better if you just never like that's saw cool. it. Place. Oh, that's it's like a real, it's very existential. And like the, the ending of it is very metaphorical. It's, it's cool. It's just like, I love the ending to this story. It's, it definitely kind of comes out of nowhere and, and uh, leaves you kind of with a lot more questions than you've had answers, but also like, you'll be thinking about it for a while after you put the book that's down. Cool. That's, the that's cool. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I really appreciate you guys coming on and doing this with us. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I've had a real blast talking to you guys. Where can we find yeah. you on social media, websites, any of that stuff? Like any anything you want to share, feel free. We'll start, Morgan, you start first. Where can we find you on social media, Morgan? Uh, spoon underscore city. It's like S-P-O, Spoon. City, yeah, like the Zeke Elliott, right? <laughs> um, city, C I T E Y. And then on Twitter, just because some other asshole took the, the spoon underscore city. So I had to add a Y. So on Twitter, it's spoon city. Uh, um, city. With an extra y. And then Mr. Blue Checkmark over there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just got the that, like the uh, verification. I've been, I've been like, how'd you do that? How'd you get? He's like, I'm the CEO of Really important company. Yeah, good point. Um, it's at Matthew, <laughs> at Matthew Medney on all socials and website. All right. Well, that's pretty Thanks. cool, man. So, so yeah, if we're doing shameless self plugs too with like website and stuff. Like, I have another book that yes, that's called um, Winds of Numisera. This is medieval. So excited movie. about this book. It's fucking awesome. It's the like some people are touting it as the next Game of Thrones and like Lord of the Rings because the level world building. I mean, you can probably sure. tell from the conversation how much work we put into that and then also my co-writer on that one because i don't like writing stuff by myself i have like uh abandonment issues um <laughs> but uh johnny handler who is also a core four member of the of hero projects and is one of those you know story creators for um stable and everything else we do is my co-writer and co-creator of winds and the sarah so it's all in the family nice nice you guys sound like you got a lot of hot shit going on uh i really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to do this Thank you for having us. it's been a lot of fun you guys can tell cat that it was easy because she didn't show up because last time she 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 lurked in the corner for fingerman she just turned her camera off and listened um so she trusts us we have a level of trust now so you know what will be fun well fingerman's probably more uh, like upscale or like high profile than we are so you know it's like he was know, drinking he, i don't he was, know maybe he's particular and something like he, he was drinking wine he was, he was drinking wine yeah he was having a good time oh, oh, man. Man. But Matt, I love him. He, he was nice. Was, he was Matt, great. What, Matt, what you should do is seriously, is like as soon as we're done here, like email Cat and be like, "What the fuck? Those guys were assholes." Yeah, just... What I, did you did you clear the questions with them ahead of time? Never no, again. <laughs> why why did you set us up with that? That's what you need to ask her, and then like just cop just blind copy us so she doesn't know, so we can get a laugh. <laughs> oh my god! No, don't do that. It might be. I might get like written up by HR for that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I honestly considered doing it for a second. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna advise. Hey, do we have HR at, at HR? At no, that was so, just a joke. You're uh, a very, you're a very important guy, and I would hate to see 
your empire crumble for a or, giggle or, or, for, for the world. Or, or, or your, repu your reputation tarnished by us. Right? No, nobody can have a giggle anymore without an empire falling. It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you guys again soon. All right. Yes, thanks so much. Thanks for having us on. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.